Hey folks, what's up? It is Friday, which means it's time for another episode of Deciphered, a spoken word series. It's your boy Ome Kongo here, and I'm really enjoying these episodes. Like I said, I've been doing it uh, for, for so long that I've lost count of, of the number of episodes. I mean, I got it written down somewhere, but I know y'all don't care about that. So just happy to be here. For those of y'all who are who are joining us for for the first time, I see you, uh, Lemire, I see T, uh, Pendleton, you know, thanks for tuning in. You know, it's definitely appreciated. And I appreciate you all who are also joining in on Facebook Live as well, who have been joining me. Uh, thank you also, uh, Tay Longley, for, for, for joining as well. I started doing this a couple of months ago because I wanted to share my spoken word. I know that people are quarantined in different places and I saw other people doing their art and celebrating and sharing their music. So I decided to do that as well. I've primarily been sharing books from uh, the limbs of my poetry and a lot of people have been enjoying that. Uh, also from the CDs, uh, Signs of the Time, Reality Show, and A Young Black Man's Anthem, Love Africa and Revolution Revisited. Usually do two poems and break down each poem so you know what went into the lyrics. And as I'm sharing these poems today, um, I'm just being mindful. You know, I want to say a happy Juneteenth to everybody who, who celebrates that, including myself and, and, and my family. And there's a lot of misinformation that's going out there in the news. And it's kind of like a double-edged sword, right? You know, we, we're happy that certain things are finally getting attention, but we also want to make sure that they're getting the, the right type of attention. And and accurate information. You know, people are talking about it as it relates to Tulsa, but Juneteenth isn't about the riots that killed over 600 people, not 300 people in Tulsa, right? So there's just there's just a lot of confusion going on. It, it, it's about celebrating the last enslaved Africans in this country to find out they were free in Texas two years, over two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. So I like people getting out there, having a conversation about it, uh, but we got to talk about it properly. Also, you can check out an article that I wrote on my website. It's also here on Instagram as well and Facebook that talks about how companies and organizations can prevent uh, Black Lives Matter and Juneteenth from becoming a new Kwanzaa in the way that Kwanzaa has been commercialized by many companies and organizations. So feel free to go check that out and let's get started with some poetry. All right, so the first poem I'm doing today kind of got a Juneteenth vibe going on with me, so that's what I'm gonna hit you with and thank you for coming to Facebook Live as well. Oz, can you save me is what this is called. I traveled the yellow brick road on a quest for fool's gold. History untold, ancestors sold in the name of you know who. Said my voodoo was doo-doo and that it was liable to deface their Bible. So I walked down this road into churches and schools with pictures of my ancestors in chains, a whole continent in flames. So now I'm ashamed to call myself African, but I never quite felt like an American. So who am I? Oz, can you save me? I'm more incomplete than Yurugu, a history stolen, my eyes swollen with knots from twin blows called Western religion and education, a misrepresentation of civilization heading towards cremation, but I must belong to this country. I must belong to this nation. The devil told me himself. He said I needed his wealth to complete me and that loving my people will only retreat me to the deeper depths of my African savagery. 
while he dastardly rapes my women and robs my continent, not with colonialism, but with investment. So I want to be an American, though his yellow brick road has led me to the highest levels of cancer, AIDS, high blood pressure, sickle cell, asthma, you name it, I claim it. I gave my health to him. But worst of all, when I look back in time, I gave him the most important thing I ever had, peace of mind. And for that, I have no one to blame but myself. Thus, I must realize that Oz can't save me. I can only save myself. And that poem is entitled, Oz, Can You Save Me? Hey, Musao, I see you. Thanks for joining. And again, this is the first poem we're doing, first poem of two of Deciphered. Let me break this down. I travel the yellow brick road, obviously playing off of the Wizard of Oz. I'm, the whole poem is a play off of that, right? On a quest for fool's gold. History untold. Look at what's happening with Juneteenth, right? Now, also know that this poem was written over, well, about 20 years ago. So, but look at what's happening today. History untold. How many of us are either learning about Juneteenth for the first time or learned about Juneteenth outside of school? I can tell you if your last name is Dabinga, you learned it outside of school. That's a fact. So, and many of you all who I know who you are family with me, friends, followers, cousins, co-workers, y'all didn't learn about Juneteenth in school. Unless y'all had, you know, that one professor or that one teacher who was just really on that other stuff. So they were like the exception, not the rule, right? History untold, ancestors sold in the name of you know who. And when I say you know who, I'm playing off of how slavery was built off of this idea of that we need to enslave these people because they know not the one true God. It said my voodoo was doo-doo and that it was liable to deface their Bible. Why do I talk about their Bible? Because we know that if, well, for those who study history, the origins of Christianity, the original Christianity started in Africa and Ethiopia. And we can go back into the 42 principles of Ma'at and the things that became the basis of Christianity. But we got to read. You know, you can't lead if you don't read. So that's what I'm talking about. And that's why I say their Bible, because so many things were, were twisted and written in order or, or manipulated in order to make us be subjugated. And that's why people like Nat Turner you know, ended up revolting because he was like, the stuff you're talking about isn't the Bible, isn't what I'm seeing here. And, 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 and it drove him to revolt. So I walked down this road into churches and schools with pictures of my ancestors in chains, a whole continent in flames. And so now I'm ashamed to call myself American, but I never felt like an African, so who am I? I'm, I'm ashamed to call myself African, but I never felt like an American, so who am I? I'm referring to our history books. I'm referring to what we see, the images when we walk into church, when we walk into our classrooms, when we turn on the television, seeing ourselves either not represented or represented in the most negative, animalistic, or barbarian ways that make us never want to identify with anything African, but then at the same time, not really feel like we've been able to participate in this American experiment, even to this day, as we're seeing now. So the question becomes, who am I? We as black people on this constant search for, for identity to try to figure out who we are. I see you, Summer. Thanks for joining. Appreciate you. You know, we're on this constant search to figure who we are. So we start turning to these other things that are out in the sky. And that's why I write, Oz, can you save me? I'm more incomplete than Urugu. This is playing off of, of, of African mythology and a story about Urugu. A history stolen. My eyes swollen with knots from twin blows. 
Western religion and education, a misrepresentation of civilization heading towards cremation. And this is one of the things I need you all to understand. Everything you've learned in school, you learned on purpose. It was deliberate. Everything that you did not learn in school, you also learned on purpose. It was deliberate. So the things that you don't know, Black Wall Street, Tulsa, race riots, all of these things, it's intentional. When, when, when textbooks from even a couple of years ago, like literally a couple of years ago, are talking about, you know, slave, people who were enslaved being uh, migrant labor, like that's intentional. So that's what I mean. That's what this system was designed to do. And it's not about those of you who practice the true tenets of Christianity and who are what I will consider to be real Christians. It's not about you. It's about the people who have manipulated it for our oppression, for their gain. Those are the people that I'm referring to. And as well as Karen Hunter liked to say, if it doesn't apply, let it fly. Hey, Mwadi, I see you. But... I must be hearing in this nation, but I, I must, but, I'm sorry, but I must belong in this nation. The devil told me himself that devil I'm referring to is white supremacy. And hey, this country is built on it. It's in the fabric of who this country is built off of racism. So when people are out there talking about, I don't believe in systematic racism, they don't know history or they don't care. You know, Dr. King said the two most dangerous things in society are sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. You have to decide which one they're practicing because you either don't know what you don't know or you know and you don't care. That's for you to decide. He said, I needed his wealth to complete me and that loving my people will only retreat me to the deeper depths of my African savagery while he dastardly rapes my women and robs my continent, not with colonialism, but with investment. This is a call out to people who feel like attaining wealth and degrees and education and all of that stuff is going to have them reach some form of level of equality. And look at what Donald Trump is saying right now that he made Juneteenth famous in terms of the discussion that's happening. He made it famous for white people who didn't know about Juneteenth. That's like saying, oh, hey, Summer, uh, I'm, I, I just, I'm coming to your house and I discovered your TV. And then saying I discovered television at Summer's house. It doesn't make any sense. And one of the things we have to get out of, particularly in black America, is we have to understand that we can't depend on other people to like us so that we can love us. I don't need People magazine to tell me who the most beautiful person in America is and finally put up somebody like Lupita Nyong'o. Lupita Nyong'o's always been beautiful to me. People, you know, women with her features, that's always been a sign of beauty to me. Like, I don't need that. And we shouldn't start looking, continue to look for those type of commendations from people to validate ourselves. It's a recipe for disaster because you're continually looking at yourself through the eyes of somebody who doesn't appreciate you. So while he dastardly rapes my women and robs my continent, not with colonialism, but with investment, I'm talking about neocolonialism because we have to understand that so much that has been happening on the continent is happening in other forms today as it relates to how we're still being disrespected and, and not treated the way we need to be. So I want to be American. Though this yellow brick road has led me to the highest level of cancer, AIDS, high blood pressure, sickle cell, asthma, you name it, I claim it. Like we lead in everything. I think except like I don't know, skin cancer possibly because of our melanin. I don't know. But we have to ask, where has chasing this yellow brick road gotten us? Because for many instances, it's actually been a red brick road paved with our blood. And so we have to start thinking of something new. I believe it was John Henry Clark said that something to the effect of 
well, I'm just paraphrasing what I read from him that, you know, the African mind, you know, on many levels has been destroyed. And if we want to really bring back our culture and have it be celebrated, we got to return to our value system. And in order to do that, we have to understand it and, and learn it. And unfortunately, particularly after colonialism, we had situations where many Africans on the continent were not aware of their values as well. That's just history. I gave my health to him. But worst of all, when I look back in time, I gave him the most important thing I ever had, peace of mind. And for that, I have no one to blame but myself. Thus, I must realize that Oz can't save me. I can only save myself. All of you out there, you can only save yourself. Hey, Shaomba, I see you. Don't forget to join Shaomba every uh, every Friday after me, 12 o'clock. Get that workout on so you can work out the mind and then work out with Shaomba. And it's this powerful series of, of workouts. And if you missed the last ones, check her out on IGTV as well. So you can shape up with Shaomba. So look, guys, at the end of the day, you can only really save yourself. I can't save you. You can't save me. You can only liberate your mind. When you give people your mind, you know, in some of the hip hop songs I used to hear, you know, people also used to say, uh, lock my body, can't trap my mind, right? We got to understand that. Like, that, that, that's a real thing. And so that's my first poem today. It's entitled, Oz, Can You Save Me? And so, again, if you ever have any questions, um, you can always holler at me like during this. I can see them on Instagram. And then right after this, I go straight to y'all who are on Facebook checking me out um, and enjoying the show. Uh, and I answer those questions as well. So this next poem is entitled The Love That Hate Produced. Again, Juneteenth on my mind today. The love that hate produced. A lot of this poem is self-explanatory, so I may not explain every particular line, but I will, of course, come back to it. The love that hate produced. And this poem is a play off of the interview, the classic interview we saw with Malcolm X and others from decades ago called The Hate That Hate Produced. And so I, I, I wanted to sh flip it to talk about the love that has come out of our community, despite all of the hate that we have endured. This is a story about love, but it's not about that Valentine's Day love or that motherly love. It ain't even about that Philly brotherly love. No, this is a story about the love that hate produced. It's a story about Africa and all of her children still loving themselves after centuries of systemic injustice. It's a story about tragic transatlantic treason and Berlin boundaries being drawn across ethnic lines with no rhyme or reason. It's a story about enslaved Africans beating the odds and nations conquering other nations and changing their monotheistic gods by creating missionary positions to school Africans in missionary positions in order to religiously rob them of their own religion. It's a story of European using civil lies to try to civilize the creators of civilization. And it's a story about clan rallies and white families gathering on a sweltering Sunday afternoon around half past five for a friendly game of blacks being burned alive at the stake and living for over 400 years as enemies of the state. It's a story about Langston Hughes through poetry shaping the blues and stereotypical images of black men on the news. It's a story about Jesse Owens humiliating Hitler and then being humiliated upon his homecoming where he was still treated like a second class citizen. It's a story about kings losing their crowns on Tennessee balconies and Malcolm Slaying for pointing out white fallacies. It's a story about Joanne going from America's daughter to persona non grata under the name of Assad 
Nevada. And it's a story about Congolese genocide in the name of Colton Diamonds and Gold and about Southern Sudanese slaves still being sold in this new millennium. It's a story about Garrett Morgan creating a gas mask that will save the lives of millions of firefighters who would then take their hoses and turn them on our own people, igniting an international fight for civil rights. See, this is about that production process, manufacturing love in fascist factories and capitalist corporations. It's a story about queen mothers giving more meaning in life to the movement. And it's a story about Muhammad's messages to the black man and marches on Washington. It's a story about Reverend Bernice picking up her father's crown and Malcolm's children preventing his legacy from being bought and sold on the download. It's a story about Allah sending us honorable ministers to expose sinister servants of Satan and final calls giving us our marching orders on how to rebuild the black nation. It's a story about Marian Anderson shining on Washington Monument stairs after years of contempt from her peers. It's a story about Tuskegee Airmen being humiliated and discriminated against, but never flying their planes into the World Trade Center because our people are too forgiving in the face of ingrates who don't appreciate our good-naturedness. It's a story about Ali standing strong in protest of Vietnam and Sam Cooke swaying to the death that a change gonna come as Major League Baseball welcomed Jackie Robinson, though Fritz Pollard's family still looks for his recognition in the should-be-shamed NFL Hall of Fame. Nevertheless, it's a story about Serena and Venus Williams picking up on Althea Gibson's greatness and Arthur's ashes and winning at Wimbledon. And it's a story about tigers making all competition and retreat into the woods. It's about conscious brothers and sisters in professional sports who have taken it upon themselves to take care of their hoods and hip-hop artists protesting to keep our educational system from becoming no good. It's a story of brothers dying on the front lines of Korea, Vietnam, and Kuwait so that the world can see the first black secretary of state. And it's a story about the nation's defense being placed in the hands of a sister and about Lawrence climb up her hill to humility and a government's trying in futility to break our attempts at unity. It's a story about a people becoming black and proud and not being ashamed to say it loud. Can you hear it? It's the sound of all the love and hugs being exchanged at the millions of marches and our people committing themselves to health and not the golden arches. It's a story about a people reclaiming its African identity like rolling on from Roland to Askia and international protests to try to free Mumia. This is a story about love in the face of a system that hates us but can't live without us. But most importantly, it's a story about God's chosen people rising up from the dust. This is a story about love. That is the love that hate produced. Sharing this on this Juneteenth, 2020. Let's break it down. Let's break some of this down. This is a story about love. Not that Valentine's Day love or that motherly love. Or even about the Philly brotherly love. Obviously Philly coming from the Latin brotherly, you know, love. <clears throat> story about the love that hate produced. It's a story about Africa and all of her children still loving themselves after centuries of systemic injustice. I mean, have you ever wondered how much work it takes to love yourself after all of these years of oppression? But here we are, still loving ourselves, still going strong, still doing the work needed. It's a story about tragic transatlantic treason. Berlin boundaries being drawn across ethnic lines if no rhyme or reason. I'm referring to the Berlin Conference of 1886, 84, and how Africa was carved up at that particular time. And nobody cared if you were Hutu or Tutsi or Kusu or, 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 or Yoruba or whatever. It was about these Western countries taking up places that they want. And just because you should probably know that yes, the United States didn't officially take land, but they were also present at the conference. History matters. It's a story about uh, enslaved Africans and nations 
enslaved Africans beating the odds. That's what we do. And nations conquering other nations and changing their monotheistic gods. We have monotheism on the African continent. We've had monotheism before Christianity was brought into Europe and reintroduced to us. We had it. So people talk about, oh, every African worships all these idols and all this other type of stuff. It was part of the story we used to justify slavery and steal our culture. By creating missionary positions to screw Africans in missionary positions, you know what I'm doing there, in order to religiously rape us of our own religion. It's a story about Europeans using, this is a play on words, using civil lies to try to civilize the creators of civilization. And it's a story about clan rallies and white families gathering on a sultry Sunday afternoon around half past five for a friendly game of blacks being burned alive at the stake and living for over 300 years, 400 years as enemies of the state. Look what we're talking about. Tulsa, right? Look at these riots that happened. Do you know that when I talk that when I talk about blacks being burned alive at the stake during these histories of lynchings, people used to go take their kids out of school to go and watch these lynchings happen? It was like a thing. It was like a show. It was like going to watch people paint a mural or going to take your kids downtown and see a play outside. Like this is what pe- and that's why you have pictures of people surrounded by these things. And they would make postcards out of these things. And when you look at the the, the Tulsa riots, where over you know, 600 people were killed. Nobody was ever arrested. I mean, they flew planes over these over these places and dropped bombs on them. And back then, especially, it was really easy to find who owned the planes. No charges ever filed. So this is what I'm talking about. A lot of these things were just a game. And oftentimes, they were government-sponsored. It's a story about Langston Hughes through poetry shaping the blues. Stereotypical images of black men on the news. I'm talking about the great work of Langston Hughes and how... Is, you know, his work and the work of so many others is done to counteract some of these negative stereotypes. It's a story about Jesse Owens humiliating Hitler and then humiliated, being humiliated, humiliated upon his homecoming where he was treated like a second class citizen. So you have Jesse Owens who goes out there and in Germany he's treated nice by people there. But then when he wins, you know, Hitler walks out of the stadium and people are like, oh, that, that was classless and all that other type of stuff. It's Hitler, what do you expect? But after that, right, <clears throat> Jesse Owens comes home and he's still got to be in the back of the bus. Still can't get jobs. And I think towards the end of his life, he was like racing horses in order to do things like, you know, make money and stuff. That's so we can talk about what happened in Nazi Germany. But what about what happened on the way back here? And that happened to many people coming out of World War II. A story about kings losing their crowns on Tennessee balconies, talking about Dr. King, Malcolm Slang for pointing out white fallacies. It's a story about Joanne going from America's daughter to persona non grata under the name of Asada. You know, Asada Shakur was Joanne Chesamore. She was born with Chesamore. She was born in this country, was American. And look what she did as it relates to feeling like she had to fight against what she was experiencing. Nobody wakes up and just decides as a child, I want, I need to fight the revolution. But what did James Baldwin say at one point? He's like, I realized by the age of five that I was black and I was going to die. Like, five years old? <clears throat> this is what happens to us. It's a story about Congolese genocide in the name of cult and diamonds and gold. I'm talking about how all our electronic products are funded, are, are, are profiting off of genocide in places like the Congo in particular. And if you want to look that up, you can just look up conflict minerals in Congo. You can learn more about it. Garrett Morgan. It's a story about Garrett Morgan creating the gas mask that will save the lives of millions of firefighters. Gas mask created around 1918, 17, 16, something to that effect. 
A lot of firefighters used it, but then you move to the civil rights era and these hoses are being turned on us, the same people whose lives were saved over time, turning against us. This is a story about that production process, manufacturing love in fascist factories and capitalist corporations. It's a story about Queen Mothers giving more meaning and life to the movement. That's a shout out to Queen Mother Moore. And, and Muhammad's message to the black men and marches on Washington, Stop Talib, and, you know, shouting out the role that the Nation of Islam played in a lot of the movements that we've been doing. And from there, I say it's a story about Reverend Bernice picking up her father's crown. I'm talking about Dr. King's children and the work that they've been doing. And Malcolm's children, point, I'm talking about Elias Shabazz and, and the other children, preventing his legacy from being bought and sold on the download and, and respecting the what the things that they have done to fight to make sure that now their father's legacies are preserved and their mother's as well because uh Coretta Scott King and Betty Shabazz passed after I wrote this poem. It's a story about Allah sending us honorable ministers to expose sinister servants of Satan and final calls giving our marching orders on how to rebuild the black nation. Of course, talking about the final call uh, newspaper, which has been extremely uh, important in our community. And remember, guys, whenever I'm sitting here talking about devils and Satan, don't get into this whole get it twisted, always calling white people devils. Again, I'm talking about a system of white supremacy. If you're fighting against it, if you anti that and if you're working to love, peace and for everybody, you know that this does not apply to you. So let's keep things where they need to be. It's it's a story about Marian Anderson shining on Washington Monument stairs after years of contempt from her peers. She was not allowed to sing in, in like Daughters of the Hall of the Daughters, whatever it's called, Constitution Hall. And I believe it was Eleanor Roosevelt who, you know, left her membership in that organization, Daughters of the American Revolution after that, and helped give Marian Anderson an opportunity to shine. It's a story about Tuskegee Airmen being humiliated and discriminated against, but never flying their planes into the World Trade Center. Tuskegee Airmen. Because our people are too forgiving in the face of ingrates who don't appreciate our good nature. And so I saw an author who was just mad last week. Y'all, many of y'all have seen it. And she said that people should be happy that black people are just looking for... What did she say? Uh, you, you know, if you know, write it in. Something to the effect of we're looking for reconciliation and not revenge. And people should be happy about that. You know, we're still trying to work and be part of this country as opposed to trying to destroy it, which I also believe is the way to go, to work towards making it better. But some people don't always see it that way. And I wrap this up here. It's about a law. It's a story about Ali standing strong in protest of Vietnam. Check out Spike Lee's new movie, The Five Bloods, no doubt. Um, and Sam Cooke swearing to the death that a change gonna come, classic song, which his family is still also fighting to get the rights of because Sam Cooke's music was stolen and uh, conveniently in a couple of days before he was shot to death. <clears throat> and a lot of people don't understand if you go to Netflix and watch the twice killing or the double killing of Sam Cooke, powerful documentary, you'll be upset. But, you know, what you learn is what you learn. As Major League Baseball, welcome Jackie Robinson. We People always like to play off Jackie Robinson sometimes as like, you know, this kind of peaceful guy. You know, this dude was an activist. This brother was an activist. And a lot of people also don't know. People say, Colin Kaepernick should be more like Jackie Robinson. Oh, but some of us don't know that Jackie Robinson never stood for the anthem. Because he said he just couldn't. Another part of the story that doesn't get told, you know what I mean? 
<clears throat> Though Fritz Pollard's family still looks for his recognition and should be shamed in NFL Hall of Fame. Look up the story of Fritz Pollard and what happened to him. It's disgraceful. Nevertheless, it's a story about Serena and Venus Williams picking up Althea Gibson's greatness and author's ashes and winning at Wimbledon. And Tiger's making all competition retreat into the woods. Play off the Tiger Woods there, right? Uh, it's about conscious brothers and sisters in professional sports who have taken it upon themselves to take... Yes, we claim in Tiger Woods. Stop hating on him. Uh, and, when, when, and who have taken it upon themselves to take care of their hoods. Hip-hop artists protesting to keep the educational system from becoming no good. Just a shout-out to Jay-Z and the Wyclefs and the Lauren Hills and just so many people out there who have been used, putting their money where their mouth is to help make our educational system better, investing in tech, you know, stuff like Nas is doing and other people. I think that those are things that have to be acknowledged because some people want to sh shut them down. But, you know, before organizations like Black Lives Matter became popular, you know, they were getting support from people like Jay-Z and Beyonce as well as regular people on the streets like the rest of us as well. And, you know, I think that you should give credit where credit is due. It's a story about brothers dying on the front line of Korea, Vietnam, and Kuwait so that the first was the world to see the first black secretary of state. Cole, a story about the nation's defense being placed in the hands of a sister. I'm talking about Colin Powell. I'm talking about Condoleezza Rice and, you know, the, their rise in, in, the, in the levels of government. And Lawrence climb up her hill to humility, a government's attempts at futility to break our attempts at unity. Story of people becoming proud, black and proud and not being ashamed to say it loud. That's a shout out to James Brown. Can you hear it? It's the sound of the love and hugs being exchanged at the millions of marches. Referring to the Million Man March, Millions Women March, and all of the marches. And people committing themselves to health and not the golden arches. Talking about taking a commitment to health versus fast food. It's a story about people reclaiming their African identity, going from Roland to Askia. Shout out to Askia Ture. And international protests to try to free Mumia Abu Jamal. It's a story about love in the face of a system that hates us but can't live without us. Most importantly, it's a story about God's chosen people rising up from the dust. This is a story about love. And that is me breaking down the story, The Love That Hate Produced, and Oz Can You Save Me, both from my book, From the Limbs of My Poetry, um, also on my CDs, um, all which are available on iTunes as well. So you can check those out. These uh, stories will be available on Instagram, as well as Facebook. I'll be going up on the YouTube as well to, to get that out there. I appreciate you all joining me for these, these over these past few weeks and, and, sharing, um, the, and sharing with other people who have been tuning in. So that's my show for this week. If, if you like what you're hearing, share it with other people. It'd be greatly appreciated. Remember, this is what we do every Friday at 11. It's called Deciphered, a spoken word series. Spread the word. Get out there. Stay safe. And happy Juneteenth to everybody out there. Peace out. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.